The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to a special data tech episode of the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss the overlap of data, privacy, marketing, and technology. Joining us is our data tech expert, David Finkelstein, who is the CEO of BDEX, which is the first ever data exchange platform and one of the Inc. 5000 fastest growing privately owned U.S. companies. Combining hundreds of data sources in real time into one unique data infrastructure, BDEX offers the most powerful, accurate identity graph available in the United States, and the company also provides a privacy-focused machine learning modeling technology that allows marketers to effortlessly scale up their target audience. And today, David and I are going to discuss building a data tool. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with David Finkelstein, the CEO of BDEX. David, welcome to our first ever data tech episode of the MarTech podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. Looking forward to it. Excited to have you here. You've been on the MarTech podcast once before, but our worlds have collided a little bit. I am kicking the tires on building my own data tool. And to make everything we do a podcast episodes, we decided that we wanted to talk a little bit more about this overlap of data, technology, privacy, marketing best practices, as we're thinking about building out our data infrastructure. The project that I'm working on is the notion of building a podcast retargeting service. How do we formalize the way that we put ads, different types of creative, understand who is actually listening to our podcast? And so we've enlisted you, your company, and a couple other vendors to try to help us flush out this reality of the notion of podcast remarketing. You're an expert in building these types of tools and solutions. Give me the playbook here. Let's start from the top. When you are thinking about building a data tool, what do you advise? How would you advise me to, to start? Well, it's a big ask, and it really depends on the use case, right? So like in your use case, you are trying to take your audience of podcast listeners and be able to retarget them in another way through another medium. And so it's super powerful. It's something that we do for a lot of different types of clients from literally linear TV to CTV to web-based through programmatic. So ultimately, it's having access to some data to start out with 
So in your case, you're starting off with your listeners and you're talking about tracking some data that will enable you to retarget them. So you have to be able to, one, know who they are at some level, and that could be at a complete anonymous level, whether it be an IP address as an example, or whether it's name and address or email address. But once you have that piece of information, we're able to use the identity graph to be able to identify those same consumers across other media so that you can reach them throughout their online journey. And I think that's kind of one of the things that we're working with you to put together. It's one of the things that sounds so obvious, but wasn't really transparent to me. We had worked with another data vendor to help us kick the tires on podcast remarketing. That company was acquired and shut down their marketing services, so we no longer had access to the type of data that we wanted. Now we're all of a sudden faced with this build or buy decision of podcast remarketing was something that we had offered, and now we want to go build it ourselves. Starting with the underlying data source isn't something that was a clear first step to me. You know, I assumed, okay, you're building a data tool, you've got to build a data warehouse, you've got to understand your data infrastructure, and then you're feeding data into it to try to sort of work backwards. You build the house and then you put all the furniture in and you're basically saying, no, you kind of have to know what your plan is for what you're going to do with the space and then you build around it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, if you're building something that is data centric, then the data has to come from somewhere. So first we say, okay, well, is it data that you're collecting or that you have a resource to collect from that you then want to leverage that data? Or sometimes it's pulling data out of thin air. So we have companies that come to us and say, hey, we're trying to reach podcasters or we're trying to reach people that listen to podcasts, but we don't currently have a podcast. How do we do that? And so in some cases, it's just where can we get the data? Do we already have it in our platform? And can we then create an audience based on that data? But a lot of times it's companies like your situation where you're coming and saying, hey, I have an audience or I have some data, but I want to figure out how to build a product around it. I want to figure out how to locate these same people online and market to them. So when you're doing that, you have to figure out what is the input and output. The input is some piece of data you're collecting. The output is being able to reach them in some other location. And then we become the black box that sits in the middle between that. Okay, so BDEX as a service is that data transformation layer. So in our case, we're starting with a first-party data source. Some people are buying third-party data and then trying to transform it. So what I'm hearing from you is understand, number one, building a data tool. What's your underlying data source? How do you either collect or acquire it? Once you've collected or acquired your data source... Then there's this notion of transformation. You mentioned the identity graph. Sounds very Facebooky to me. Talk to me about what the identity graph is. How's that different than the social graph? I think there's a lot of misconceptions about anything that is the something graph. Tell me what the identity graph is. And actually, I'm going to back up one before I get into the identity graph. I want to back up to one thing that you just said, which was that you're looking to leverage your first party data. And I think that's really important when it comes to the future of data tools and MarTech and AdTech, because there are so many things going on with respect to third-party data, third-party cookies going away, right? Apple making changes to how iOS tracks data, the government cracking down on tracking of data. 
So what you're doing today with this product is really important because it's something that we're encouraging all of our customers to do, which is to take a look at the first party data, the data that you collect, that you own, that you're getting from your customers and learn how to leverage that for your future growth because the reliance on third-party data going forward is going to diminish. So that's an important thing that I wanted to make sure that we touched upon and that I addressed with you. That's honestly a whole podcast episode. We're going to tackle that a little bit, talking about privacy and data. Let's save it for tomorrow's episode. But there's the notion of what data are you collecting and what can you do with it? A very important topic. When you're thinking about, okay, we've got this first party data source, like I said, and then you want to, I don't know if you say manipulate it or you want to enrich it, you want to do something with that data to be able to reach the prospects or customers or find more people that are looking like them. You mentioned going through the identity graph. Talk to me about how do you define identity graph? What is it and how can you take your data and put it into this graph? Believe it or not, identity graph has become sort of a generic term. There are many different types of identity graphs. They're not all created equal. So it's important to understand that when I'm talking about identity graph, I'm talking about it from the perspective of being able to connect the dots between a consumer's identity, both anonymous and de-anonymized as well. So it allows you to sort of make that full connection so you understand who the consumer is across all their touch points and whether it be their email or sometimes an obfuscated or hashed email address or encrypted email address so that it is protected from a privacy standpoint to an IP address, to a mobile device ID, even to a CTV ID, and then even to a postal address. So in many cases, when we're working with CTV or working with even linear TV companies, that's an important aspect. So being able to connect those dots, because if you have any one of those points, then you can now reach the consumer across all of those points by leveraging the identity graph. And it doesn't mean that we're giving you all of that information. It means we're using that information to activate media for you, whether it be advertising in programmatic or in social, on CTV, on a mobile device, whatever it is. Okay, so I think of this in terms of like a spreadsheet where the identity graph companies, BDEX being my favorite of them, <laughs> have this giant table. And in this table, the columns are first name, last name, address, what device you're using, what your IP address is, all of the devices in your household, right? It connects you to all of these different data points. And so if I am able to come up with one matching column. I know IP address 1.1.2.3.4 is somebody that listened to my podcast. I can then give that bit of data. I don't know what that means. I don't know who it is, but I can give it to BDEX and say, I've got IP address 1.1.2.3.4. And you can say, okay, here's that person's television identifier, which is also anonymized. But in theory, you could also say, Here's that person's name, address, work, title, all sorts of other information that is PII. So in theory, I can give you one bit of data and you can basically tell me everything that you know about that IP address, who it's related to, where they're from, where they work, what they do, what their behaviors are. There's sort of this incredible amount of data that companies like BDEX have been able to collect that with one bit of data, you can get everything about a person. Am I thinking about this the right way? 
Yes, within some privacy restrictions, absolutely. But also, it's important to understand how convoluted this can get. Because when you think of it as a spreadsheet, just like you described it, think of it as a spreadsheet that has 250 million entries, rows, let's say, and probably another dozen columns. So it gets pretty massive. And then the other thing to think about is the fact that, like in the example you gave with the IP address, is IP addresses change all the time. Even if it's your household IP address, it can change. If you're moving around the world, you're going to a store and using your mobile device, you're now going to have another IP address. And if you've gone to a friend's house and use your device, you now have another IP address. And now if you've gone to a Starbucks and use your device, you now have another IP address. So there's so many different IP addresses that can be linked to you. But what we have to do as an identity graph in order to be accurate is we have to know which one is truly you, ties back to your household, for example, and not linked to a thousand other people that have gone to the same Starbucks in the last week or two. So there's a whole other level of complexity there where the graph has to continuously update and it has to continuously analyze new incoming data and make a determination of whether that's really you, whether it really is uniquely you, or is it just you at that very moment? A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Okay, so there's this notion of collecting a small bit of data, giving it to a company that has the ability to match it, even though that data might not be super personalized. I get an IP address for a podcast, but it might be somebody that was listening to that podcast at Starbucks. And I then give that IP address, hypothetically, to BDEX, and BDEX says, that's somebody at a Starbucks. How do you figure out if that's me at a Starbucks or if that's any of the other 15 people that were there at that place in time? That's certainly part of the challenge. And we have some algorithms that do some work to try to figure that out. For example, we look at ridiculous volumes of activity on mobile devices. 
to try to identify whether that signal that you got at that moment, it could really be tied to you. And can we decipher it from the other dozen or so people that were actually at that Starbucks in that same moment of time? So believe it or not, we do have a process for doing that, but it's a pretty convoluted process. That process in itself is not 100% deterministic. It is a probabilistic match, but it's a process that is ever-growing for us. In most cases, if we see an IP address, we can tell pretty quickly if it's a household IP address, which makes it really easy for us to then say, okay, we can identify who this is. If it's not a household IP address, then there's a whole other set of algorithms that have to be applied to that data in order to do sort of the best we can to identify the likelihood of that being this person or that person. And if we can't do it without some level of confidence, then we'll call it a no match. So that's the magic of picking an identity resolution vendor, somebody with an identity graph is their ability to understand which bits of data are tied to which household. Or real people. To back you up there, somewhere between 30 and 40% of the data that comes into our platform is actually not a real person. It's tied to a bot, some sort of click farm, some sort of ad fraud system that is generating data, making it look like real people, but it's not. So you got to get through all that noise as well. So going back to how to build a data tool, I get my first party data, I throw it over to BDEX and BDEX says, hey, we found a match to the record that you gave us. We understand more information about this person. You can return records back to me and then I can use it for some sort of marketing activity. This all sounds relatively simple. And one of the things that as we start to think about building a data tool we've been struggling with is, great, you're going to send us back a bunch of data. Now, what do I do with it? Right? You have to build things like data warehouses and S3 buckets, or do I use Google or Amazon? There's all sorts of other considerations once you have a match. Walk me through the process of operationalizing your enriched data. What are some of the recommendations you have for people that are, like me, starting to build out their own data infrastructure? It all comes down to your use case. You really have to first look at what am I going to do with this data? What's my end game? So if my end game is to take that data and activate it for, let's say, social media advertising or programmatic advertising, it can be very simple. Like in a case like that, a platform like ours can handle all of that. We don't manage the advertising, but we manage the data. So as soon as we export the data, we can actually push that data to any platform. So we can push it to Facebook. If you're running Facebook campaigns or Instagram or whatever, we can, if you're going to do a, like a mobile advertising campaign on a major platform like the Trade Desk, we just push it there. If you're going to use it to enrich your CRM, well, that's another thing. That's a little different we would then export that data into a certain format that would enable you to then import it into your CRM. Again, it comes down to what are you going to do with it? If you're then going to build an application that is going to do something, let's say it's going to start inviting people to your podcast or whatever, then it comes down to, okay, what resources do I need? Do I need to build something on Amazon, you know, AWS or somewhere? And where am I housing that data? And how much volume of data is it going to be? There's this pie in the sky notion that I have in my head where we have a data source, a first party data source where we're able to understand some, I think it's debatable, I would say non-PII and IP address. We get a little snippet of information. I don't know who that person is. I can't call them. I can't say their name. I have no real understanding. I get a couple of numbers. 
I'm able to feed them to a company like BDEX. And we want to understand not only, okay, how do we remarket to this people? But what we want to understand is how many people are actually listening to the podcast? How many of them are actual people? How many households might we have reached with our content? How many times did they show up and listen to various pieces of content? So for us, the idea is we're taking this underlying data source, we're asking BDEX to return some other format of data which we can use for remarketing, but we're also manipulating that data into a format that can be used for analytics and insight. So to me, that's where we've been thinking about, well, building a data warehouse, building some sort of a structure, joining these tables together. We now know how many people we've reached, how many downloads we had, how many of those downloads are from individual households, how many times they returned, were they exposed to ad campaigns. There's all sorts of different data manipulations that we can do once we have everything sort of putting it in layman's term in our own table. I think of things in Excel. I give you 100,000 records. You say, I can match 25,000 of them. You give me returning results, and then I need to go put that in a new table, join it together, and be able to analyze it and manipulate it. Then we're getting into business intelligence, and we're getting into analytics. There's this whole other layer. When you're trying to make that bridge, when we are trying to make that bridge from, we've got this underlying data source, we can change it from IP address to mobile app IDs or television identifiers, right? That's one portion. Is it a different problem when you're trying to use that data, join it together and, and do some sort of analysis or analytics from it? No, that's exactly what you described. So you literally can take the output that you just described and then take that and put it into a database platform that will give you the ability to build those analytic profiles that you want to look at. And then I think you'll be able to do some pretty powerful things, build some charts and graphs that allow you to see the flow of what's changing in your environment as you, as you move through this process or as consumers move through this process. And you'll be able to actually see, okay, like you said, how many listeners do you have? How many people have responded to an email that you've sent out or whatever it is? How many households does that represent? You'll get some really good insights there. And then the interesting thing that you'll then be able to do is track those insights and then build audiences based on that. So think about over time, as you're tracking this information about these people, you then be able to take segments of those people. And let's say you have something else to market to them. And you don't necessarily need to market to everybody, right? Because now you're saying, okay, well, I only want to market this to the people that have listened to this podcast or the people that really responded well to that podcast. And I want to let them know about another one that we're doing that's on a similar topic. Well, to improve your performance going forward, you can then segment those lists and send out new information, whether it be an email or whatever, to these segment of people so that you know when you send that out, it's going to be information that they really want to receive. Because again, now we're getting back into the sort of MarTech end of it where you don't want to go and send them emails and have them opt out. That's the worst thing that could ever happen. So by taking all this business intelligence that you built, you'll then be able to sort of leverage that to further segment your audience so that you can reach the right people for any communications that you want to send out to them. I'm going to let everybody in on a little secret here. I'm basically good for nothing other than talking into a microphone. I can't code. I don't understand SQL. And somehow I'm still able to thrive as a marketer. And that actually leads me into my last question. I've been working a lot on this lately as we're trying to build our podcast retargeting service. 
trying to figure out, well, how do you actually get this done? And there's a resourcing question here. Okay, I can get data and have our underlying data source fed to Amazon to our S3 bucket or Google Cloud or whatever we're going to be using. And then I can have BDEX get access to that data and hopefully return some results that are useful for marketing. But at some point to be able to manipulate the data, you not only need somebody to be able to build the data warehouse, you need somebody that understands the analytics. Tell me who does this stuff, right? How do you find the resources to, if you're non-technical, if you don't know programming languages or know how to make SQL calls, how do you figure out how to do this stuff on your own? I wish I knew the answer. The one thing I could say is that for one, and I haven't tried any of these services, but I know there's a lot of new technology out there that they call no-code services, where they say you don't need to know any code to be able to build a database and build an application and so on. I personally haven't tried any of them, but I see them advertised a lot. The resources I've always gone to is my network. I've always just reached out to my network when I've been in sort of these situations where it's like, hey, we're trying to build something. We don't have the in-house skill set to do it. Does anybody else know someone that knows how to do this? I'm lucky enough in BDEX to have an engineering team that does all this, but that wasn't always the case years ago. So even when we first started BDEX, we had a couple of consultants that we hired that built sort of the first version for us to mock up what we thought the product was going to be. And I never would have hired someone like that without reaching out to my own network and getting a referral because there are millions of programmers out there that will program anything for you. But I think it's always difficult to find someone that will sort of see the vision the same way you see it. So I think it's really important that you find someone that you can really connect with first. That's the biggest irony of building a data tool. I thought I would be hands deep in technical database setup, and I'd be learning how to craft all of these different tools. And what I ended up doing was using my judgment as I was networking to find a resource that can help take my high-level business objectives and program a database and write whatever code they need to be able to manipulate my data and get it into the format that is actually useful to me, the business owner. There's some irony of building a data tool comes down to networking as well. 100%. Absolutely. All right. And that wraps up this data tech episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with David Finkelstein, the CEO of BDEX. Join us again tomorrow when David and I continue the conversation talking about privacy versus identity resolution. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about David, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is BDEX. That's at B-D-E-X. Or you can visit his company's website, which is also bdex.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.
Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.